0: I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It's nice to be talking to you all. Um, I hope you all had very great holidays um, with all of the ones that you celebrated. And, uh, you know, this is going to be our last podcast of 2020. And thank fucking God, right? I mean, it's been a really long year and I think we're all about ready to just get it over with and uh just get everything over with i mean my house has been a giant mess because of all of the presents i've been wrapping and i finally was able to clean that shit up i think that is basically the mood for the end of this year is just get all of the shit out but before i go into any more of that my wonderful and amazing co-host as always richie suave
0: flores Can you hear that? Richie? Can you can you hear what I just opened?
1: Oh was oh is that your um your drink of choice tonight? Yep.
0: Yep. I need it. Been a, I hate it. I hate I hate Sundays. I hate the NFL. Football sucks. It's stupid. So I'm glad this podcast is about hockey.
1: Hey, you guys, I am not kidding you. I literally told Richie that he needed to not tell me any more about his feelings about it because if it comes to legal issues then I want to be able to plead that I knew nothing absolutely nothing
0: Yeah I I think that's a pretty good idea to have because if I were to say anything more about the Rams performance I'm going to get myself in trouble and I don't want to do that and this is indeed a hockey podcast and so I think we should just immediately dive right in because there was a lot of news this week for the Coyotes, including some news that dropped so late on Saturday that we almost missed it because Corey and I, were, we were doing the uh, movie of the month yeah, uh, on Saturday night again and after the movie ended, um, we were on the, on the Twitter machine and uh, we all saw the news drop at the same time. Which is the trade of Derek Stepan to the Ottawa Senators, and it dropped at nine thirty Pacific time or nine thirty Arizona time. Like that's late.
1: Yeah, it was. It was actually kind of funny. Which I mean, uh, first of all, shout out to Richie for bringing me um, like a cookies and cream churro from churroholic which I had never heard of until that day because that was amazing and it made my entire month like it was just great just to be able to eat this freaking churro like I forgot how much I miss churros I don't know why but I normally don't have churros unless I'm out on like so like in social situations like if I'm at like an events of some sort so I it was very nice to have a churro so first of all props to you for that and yeah I it was a little bit strange. We started talking about this when it happened, that it was kind of strange that it dropped so late. And you know, it was whether, you know, if it, they just wanted to put it out because when it happened, once it was finalized, they just wanted to get it out there. if it has anything to do with the fact that he was probably gonna need to get to Canada quick. Um, I think they still have the 14-day quarantine situation. I, I don't always keep up with that, but Going from the U.S. to Canada is a pain in the ass. And as it is, um, when I looked at it, even if he was to have left today, he with the 14 days, he literally would have less than a week with his teammates before they start games. Um, So no matter what, it's going to be a little bit rough on his part for sure. But um, I... I, I, we don't particularly know why exactly they did that maybe it was just to try and keep it under the radar a little bit but um, it dropped pretty late last night and it was um, it was interesting to see the different reactions I guess you could say that came out of them.
0: Yeah abs- yeah exactly and uh, I was just looking it up here on uh, through the Ottawa website because I was curious to get their perspective on it. Um, I did not know this because I didn't see it in the the Coyotes media, but congratulations to Derek Stepan and his wife Stephanie. They are actually expecting their third child on January 11th. So he's not going to report to the club immediately, and they don't know when he's going to report. It's not going to be right away, and apparently the, the team knows this, and they don't really have an issue with it. Um, He will have to quarantine when he does arrive in Canada, but by all accounts, he was excited by the trade and is looking forward to suit up with the Senators.
1: Oh, shit. That complicates things more. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that he is supposed to. Wow, that definitely makes things a lot more complicated. What bad timing for his life situation. Wow, that's rough.
0: So, yeah, I didn't, again, because we are Coyotes-focused and you know, once the trade happens, he's no longer with the team, so we're not really focused on on him as much as we are how it impacts the Coyotes. So I didn't, again, I didn't see that reported in the Coyotes media last night. But just so you know, now you know that Derek Stepan is expecting another kid, and and he won't be joining the Senators right away.
1: Well, that that t- completely negates everything that I just said because you know, I mean, like he's still going to have to do the quarantine, but. I guess he's not too, and the team's not too worried about him being able to um, practice with the team much before games start anyways because of the fact that he won't even be there till later anyway. So that means he'll definitely be missing the uh, the first couple weeks there
0: of the season. Yes, but uh, I, and, you know, going back to what you were talking about in terms of all the reaction to it, I think a lot of us were kind of shocked in a way that it happened because we haven't really heard a lot of rumblings. There was a, a little uh, bit of speculation/slash reporting from a reporter up in Ottawa last week about a possible Stepan trade. That Derek Stepan's agent then came out on the record and essentially denied that it was happening. And then less than a week later, it happens. And apparently, it's been ha- it's been in the works for a while because according to Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Coyotes, of course, this was a trade that was in the works when Armstrong first arrived in September. And trade talks kind of died down, and then they came right back up again. And for the Ottawa Senators, it just so happens that they have a lot of cap room on their roster right now, and they were able to take on his $6 million contract for this year that's going to expire. After this year, and they also, the Senators also acquired a couple of players from the Tampa Bay Lightning, too, on Sunday night to again help the Lightning out with their cap problems. So that's kind of where the Senators are at right now, is they're trying to garner as many assets as they possibly can to kind of work their way back up to the, the salary floor, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, you're right, the reaction to it was. I, uh, a little bit of shock at first and then but I think most coyotes fans all kind of feel the same way at this point, which is which is it makes sense from a from their coyotes perspective because he was on an expiring contract. He was a veteran who is has been on the decline last year wasn't his best season offensively. He played pretty well in the penalty kill and, and in other areas and in the locker room he's great, which is his biggest asset is his leadership abilities and his likability in, inside the, the locker room. But So for most Coyotes fans, I think they're 100% okay with this. I'll be a little bit shocked.
1: Yeah, I think, it was like you said, it was just more of the fact that, like, no one had really heard any rumblings about it. So when it dropped and it dropped late at night, it just seemed a little strange. But, yeah, absolutely, it was kind of expected in the fact that You know, even we had talked at the end of the season, we kind of named some players that we could see moving and that we would like to see move. And obviously um, on the top of our list was always OEL because of how much cap space he takes up. Um, And, you know, their inability to move him because of of the fact that he only wanted specific teams to go to, um, their inability to move him posed a problem in the fact that they would need to do multiple people to kind of counteract what they would have gotten just by moving him and so um i i think this is definitely moving in that 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 right space because of the fact that now that they have a projected cap space of 3,029,716 so that you know they're making up some of that cap space there they have a ways to go for the essential rebuild that they want to do with this team. But um, this, I think, was a, a great move. We all kind of knew that this would be an, an idea for where they should be going because, like, as we had said, you know, um, he's been on the decline as of lately. His last season, he had uh, 28 points, 10 goals, 18 assists in 70 regular season games and 5 points, 1 goal, 4 assists in – nine postseason games so he he definitely has been on the decline and hasn't really been producing um on the ice as much but he when he was brought in it was definitely more for his leadership abilities he like he was doing um better with the rangers anyways but i mean um when he came in it was Uh, the same year that uh, Doan left, and it was the same year that Talkit was put in as head coach, so there was a lot of um, big moving parts that year. And so, bringing in someone like him that was very, um, that was a vet who was very good at leadership, very good at um, locker room communication, and just being able to help a bunch of guys that were very young at the time and be able to put them in a better space like that. He came in and filled that role very quickly. He was um, one of the A's that they had that year, along with, um, you know, the fact that OEL wanted the captaincy, but uh, he was also an A. Um, You know, that whole lineup of A's, I think there was three of them that year, correct? Yes. So that whole lineup there of them, like the fact that, um, Stephon was able to come in and literally take that mantle right away. Definitely, kind of showed what he really brought to this team. Um, I think that's why it, it's kind of ignorant to say anything about that being like a, a negative trade or saying that he he wasn't very good because even when it came, yes, his play may have been on the decline, but he was he's always he's been a decent player throughout his entire career. So to say that he is, hasn't been very good is is weird. And two, um, to say that he didn't bring anything to this team was also incorrect. Like I think he brought a lot of leadership to this locker room that I think the team will be missing. Um, talking with some people I, from rumblings of within the locker room and such, I, I do think there are some people that are attempting to step up, and we might see that now that Stefan's gone. But um I think his leadership in particular will be the thing that's going to be missed the most now that he's gone. But like we both said, we definitely think that this was a good trade and it definitely needed to happen.
0: And I think it speaks to what uh, Derek Stepan meant to a lot of fans because it was a lot of thank you Derek Stepan for everything you've done for, you know, everything you did in the community for. He was a very likable player on this roster and it sucks to see him go. From like you said, that leadership perspective, which is going to be a big hole to fill on this roster this year, because it's something that you know I think you can say this really about pretty much every Phoenix sports team. Really, is there is a kind of leadership void in a lot of these these teams across Phoenix sports? I'd say it about the I'd say it about the Cardinals. I'd say it about the Suns. I'd say it about the Diamondbacks to an extent too, and even the Coyotes now with Derek Stepan on the move. There are going to be other players that are going to have to become better leaders on this roster, and um, and we'll see who that is. And a lot of times, and I I talked actually talked to Derek Seppon about this when he first joined the team. I was asking him about about leadership being not necessarily having to have the C, but coming from the locker room, and and he kind of spoke to that. And I don't remember his exact quote, so but more or less he kind of handed out the fact that a lot of times leadership doesn't necessarily. You don't see it on the ice as much, and it's really hard to quantify, more or less. So, for a younger team like the Coyotes, you know, that lost to Brad Richardson and Derek Stepon now, that veteran leadership isn't going to be there as much. So, maybe that falls elsewhere now to Christian Dvorak, to Phil Kessel, to uh, a Lawson Kraus, to a Clayton Keller now. And, of course, on the shoulders of Oliver Eggman Larson, your captain. But that's going to be the most – that's the interesting storyline – in regards to this trade, is now where do you get that veteran leadership? Because it was Derek Stepan in the playoffs that he was the guy that was the front, one of the front faces of the team. After those rough losses, it was Derek Stepan and Oliver Melarson as part of your leadership group that were up there asking those questions. And now you wonder, you know, who takes his spot inside the locker room as as far as that leadership role. And I think that's a very important question that uh, I'm I'm eager to kind of hear from Rick Tockett and from Bill Armstrong as we move closer to training camp.
1: Yeah. And I think it too solidifies uh, the fact that we are going to see a surgence of Barrett Hayton, that he is going to be prominent this year. And the fact that they, if if they, if you're wondering if they had plans to really solidify him in there, I think this makes certain of that. So that's going to be another storyline that we'll see moving out throughout the season as well. Um, it's definitely going to be what like what you said is what one of the biggest problems, I think, throughout the season is going to be who steps up in that leadership role, like you said, because of the fact that it is going to be a weird season with weird nuances within it. And, and you definitely need some veteran leadership to step up and be able to take the reins of this team and really get them focused because you don't have as much time to make mistakes and make up for them. So they need to be coming out strong and steady throughout it and, you know, not really be worried about the fact that this team is being looked at constantly as like a rebuilding team. Um, You know, there are projections that this team will have a shot at the playoffs. Um, Whether that actually comes to fruition or not is, is highly debatable. But the fact that they are even in those talks it really really shows how much they need a leadership that can bring them to be even better than their possible potential and the fact that this team really kind of needs that and um you know with everything that happened in 2020 as much as it hasn't been the year for really any of us it really hasn't been the year for the coyotes because of all of the negative headlines that kind of came out. And so if this team can at least have a solid season for the team that they are, um, it will be good for them going forward because, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes over the next couple of years, but it this how they do in this season, I think, will set the tone for those changes coming forward.
0: Exactly. It's going to be a season where these younger players on this roster are going to really have to start to take the reins of this franchise because, again, we already mentioned the departure of Brad Richardson, Derek Stepan, obviously, but they're also likely at the end of the year, if not earlier, in a a possible trade deadline move, to lose guys like Jason Demers, Alex Goligosky, and Nicholas Jarlmerson, too, who are all going to be on expiring contracts this year, if I'm not mistaken. And... So I, I wonder if the younger guys on this team understand that, that this is going to be their team pretty much after after this season. Starting in 2021, 2022, they're going to be moving into a new division, obviously, in the Central with the addition of the Seattle Kraken to the league, and it's going to be their team. It's going to be Clayton Keller's team. It's going to be Christian Dvorak's team. It's going to be Jacob Chickren's team, and it's going to be, you know, those guys' team, and luckily they're going to get some new infusion of a little bit of help with Barrett Hayton hopefully coming along. We, You and I, Corey, we were talking about Victor Soderstrom on Saturday night after this trade, and and it, where he maybe slots into this roster either this year or next because he's had, he had a really big game for Sweden in the World Junior Championships putting up three assists um, for Sweden as one of their best players on their blue line this year. But I think you nailed it. It's a very important season to – for these younger players to step forward in their production. And that's something I talked about last week too, right? When I was talking about how I was more on the side that this roster as it is now, I don't think is quite built for the playoffs again this year because I just don't see a lot of these younger players making enough of a leap forward to be able to score enough goals essentially to get them into the playoffs like they're going to need to do because – that was their biggest problem last year in the back half of the season. Um, not It was not only the loss of Darcy Kemper and Auntie Aronta having his injury issues, but the team just couldn't score down the stretch, even with Taylor Hall. You had a lot of guys who just went missing, you know, right? And you had, obviously, Nick Schmaltz go down to injury in the playoffs, and I think that was a big part of their offensive struggles in that, in that series against Colorado, but... At the very least, that's all I'm asking for from this roster of young players is just like, and I said the same thing before last se- before the beginning of last season too, if you remember, Corey. Just give me like 15% more production from all of these guys in the lineup, from your from your Krauses, from your Schmaltz, from your Kellers, from your Connor Garlands, from your Phil Kessels, from your Barrett Haytons, and that's enough to get you in the playoffs with your defense and goaltending, which is still the backbone of this roster right now.
1: Absolutely. And and we did see that in a few different games. There's a, there's a couple times we came on these podcasts like this, and we were saying, it's exactly what you're asking for. It was exactly that 15% that we were looking for at the beginning of last season. And it just, it's never consistent. And consistency has always been an issue with this team. and And I, I'm afraid that this season is going to be the same way, and with a shortened season, you can't be inconsistent because of the fact that you don't have the time to make it up. But I, I, I do want to talk about the um, the fact of goaltending that you had mentioned in the fact that um, we had gotten into some conversations with people on Twitter about um, the initial trade and all of that stuff. And if you remember correctly, that when uh, Derek Stepan was – Traded to the Coyotes, um, he was traded along with Auntie Ronta and uh, for Tony D'Angelo for and the, and a number seven pick and the number seven pick in uh, 2017. So um, one of the things that I I think is great that we have to think about this and come out of this is the other half of that trade that is still here is going to be a massive part of this team this year. Kemper and Ronta together are going to be either the last straw that broke the camel's back or is going to be the saving grace of this team this year because of the fact that you you can hope for but you can't really promise production out of those those guys that you're talking about so the only way that they're going to stay in these games is if um, Kemper and Ront and Ront as a tandem are able to hold them into these games and really stick to the, you know, like three goal max of um, being able to give up, you know, like three goals max each game and really just kind of hold them in there and keep these very tight games because of the fact that this team's production just isn't there and, and I don't see it being there. I don't. It's hard because You know, they brought in people like Hall and who, even when he got here, didn't really produce either. I don't know if it's an environmental thing, if it's just a not a chemistry thing, if it's um, not enough of a supporting cast thing. But no one has been able to feel comfortable enough in this lineup to really produce like they are capable of. And um, that's going to be something that we will always be looking at throughout the this entire season and but in all reality where I think we are going to lie is within whether Kemper and Ronta can hold this team into close games so they can kind of grit themselves by
0: Absolutely, and that's a that's a given for this team, and I have a feeling that's going to be the probably most talked about thing for the Coyotes this year is going to be the success and the failure of their two goalies, and they're also likely to have more goalies this year as um, we've seen this from, from multiple people, which is this year in the NHL, uh, the roster limits are that you either have to carry three active goalies on your roster, or you can carry two, but you have to have one on your taxi squad. So that's going to be an interesting wrinkle to the team this year. And uh, also in the past week, Corey, I don't—we didn't get a chance to talk about it on our most on our last episode because it dropped, I believe, uh, either Monday or Tuesday of last week. We actually now have a twenty-twenty schedule to look at and it's going to kick off as we previously have told you on January 14th on the road against San Jose, even though those games probably are actually at home. My bad. I'm sorry about that. It's going to be at home against San Jose. And we know of course that San Jose actually can't play in San Jose right now. So they're going to hold their training camp here in Arizona. So it'd be a little, kind of a Arizona Coyotes versus Scottsdale Sharks type of type of action going on, but that's where it kicks off at. Um, is there anything that stood out to you when you scrolled through the schedule?
1: Well, yeah. So first of all, it was funny when I saw that, um, you know, the first game was at home against the Sharks because of the fact that, you know, obviously the Sharks will be um, at the ice Den in Scottsdale. So, um, you know, it's it's not going to be uh, too big of a commute for any of them. Um, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting. And, and I think it's, first of all, I'd like to say it's pretty cool in the fact that they are here. And that um, I like to say that we now have two hockey teams and we have stolen the Sharks. Mm-hmm. And that Arizona, who um, is, no, is always looked down upon, like we are terrible and we could never hold hockey here um we are currently hosting two teams so you can suck it and um i just wanted to throw that in there because you know and i even put on twitter um to uh the sharks podcast on here that um screw stealing christmas we've stolen the sharks we're not giving them back san jose doesn't need them
0: yeah, I like, I agree. Come on down. We can we can use another team here in Arizona even though it's the San Jose Sharks who aren't expected to have a good season again this year.
1: That's okay. In Arizona, we know what it's like to suck and still be able to bear through it. It's it's part of the Arizona curse. So we can nurture a bad team. That's that's never really a, a hard thing for our fandom. Our fandom is more resilient, I think, than people understand. Is There's a lot of shit that uh, Air- Arizona sports fans in general have to go through all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact of the matter is it's not easy being an Arizona sports fan. And so we can deal with it, whereas others just give up and give in. I'm I'm really just waiting for the day that all the Patriots fans start, like... Not the like the diehards, but the, the ones that were more of a Brady fan or um were just a fan of the team because they were winning all the time when they will officially start dwindling now because um there's a resiliency that comes with being <laughs> in an area where you suck a lot as opposed to where you win a lot, <laughs> it's just the fact of the matter. But um, one of the things that I really liked about the schedule is the fact that as far as I could tell, there is no back-to-backs, which is nice. I mean, it's not like the coyotes don't have the goal tending for back-to-backs, but, um, it looks to be, there's a
0: few, there's a few in the schedule. Not that many as you would, you would Oh, would expect, okay. there's... But, but there are several.
1: Okay. There is, there is one here that's on March 5th and March 6th. So, but there, there are, I was thinking that it was going to be very cramped because of the way that they have to play and, you know, the fact that Are you, they so have to... I think
0: you're kind of more referring to the fact that if they do have a back-to-back, they're in the same city. Yes. There's not a lot of times where they're, like they did last year, where they were playing back-to-backs and they had to fly to other places...
1: Yes, that's what I mean, like, they're they're playing the 5th and the 6th here in Minnesota, but they're playing in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and so it's not like they're doing these, like, crazy-ass plane flights where they're just, like, landing somewhere, and yes, uh, sorry, I should have specified that, um, because that's why I'm looking at this, and even, the, even the, the ones that are in the same place, there is some spaces in here, like, they, they play the nights and it's the 18th, then the 20th, and the 22nd, and the 24th, so they have, like, a, a day break in between there, which is quite nice, 26th and they have the 27th off 28th. So it's it's kind of nice that they were able to space it out a little bit because I was worried about how cramped the season was going to be. So it was nice in that regard. Um, because <laughs> not to point out all of the like, little idiosyncrasies about this team that kind of is rough, but this team also doesn't do well it doesn't have the size per se i mean there has been some additions to the team that added a little bit more grit and a little bit more size but um it, or prickly as they were like to be called in their press conference um but i i i will never get over the um cactus comparisons in that press conference that was something else but um this team with their size does have a hard time Uh, keeping up stamina over um, sustained periods of time where they are constantly having to face um, harder teams back to back to back. So that kind of helps that they at least have a a day in a lot of these and that they aren't going from city to city to city. That helps as well. Um, But, I mean, it's kind of cool that they get to start out here at home against San Jose that's also here. So it's kind of a casual way to roll into it because it's going to be weird. Everything is going to be weird. And I don't even know how many times I can say that, how many times I can enforce that. Nothing's going to be normal. They're going to have, you know, the the limited capacity of fans at a certain point and all of that, but it's just, it's not going to be the same season that you, you normally get and, um, It's not like they really had to experience this before because they kind of just went into the whole playoff bubble situation. So this is going to be their first experience of having to deal with that type of a situation, like just in a regular season sense. And so having it be at home and it be against a team that's practicing here, I think is a great way to roll into it. It almost feels like an exhibition game without being an exhibition game.
0: Yeah, and... The Sharks, as we know, you know, not expected to be that great of a team. I think the Coyotes match up pretty well against San Jose this year. And so you're right. It's better to start off against a team like San Jose, who is going to be displaced because of the COVID restrictions there in Northern California. That San Jose is basically going to be, you know, on a long road trip, basically like the San Francisco 49ers have been for the last few weeks here in Arizona, albeit. They obviously took advantage of that and beat the Cardinals here in Arizona um, on back on Saturday. But, yeah, I wonder if it's going to be uh, that kind of a – look, I these first probably six or seven games are going to be very, very sloppy without any preseason, right? It's kind of like the very beginning of the bu- NHL bubble when a lot of those games were super sloppy – especially for some of those um, like round-robin games that were glorified preseason games anyway. And I wonder if that's what's going to happen here at the beginning of the season. And the good thing for the Coyotes with that is they're going to be playing half of their games that they're scheduled to play against the Golden Knights. I think they're scheduled to play them eight times this year. They're going to be playing four of them very early in the season And I happen to like that. I like the fact that they're going to be playing a Vegas team in the first four times in the first six games of the season. Number one, because we know Vegas is going to be a cup contender again, so it's going to be a good early season measuring stick up against uh, a cup contender. Number two, it's two teams that are... Uh, you know, still getting their feet wet within the season, so maybe you can pick up a couple extra points here again in those four games against Vegas that you normally wouldn't do because last year we know Vegas dominated the Coyotes um, last season for the most part. I don't have how they did their their results, but I think they I did. I don't even know if they beat Vegas last year. I think they may have gotten a point last year against Vegas, but it's always it the Gold Knights usually match up really well. So I'm glad those games are early on in the season. And uh, I'm also glad that... It's their
1: first season after uh, San Jose. It's their third, fourth, fifth, and sixth game.
0: Yes, exactly. And I'm also glad that um, they get a massive, massive stand. They get a 10-game homestand between February 13th and March 6th. That is almost a month where they're going to be here in Arizona, which is nice, and, you know, the teams are playing there. They're playing against uh, St. Louis, Los Angeles, Anaheim, Colorado, and Minnesota in, those, in that 10-game homestand. That's going to be very important for this team because we know that last year the Coyotes at home were pretty good. They were 17-12-4 at home last year as opposed to a 500 record on the road. So – I wonder if the Coyotes can continue their winning ways at home. Because I think last year, at one point, didn't they start off really bad at home and then they, they managed to get better throughout the, the rest of the season? But my memory of the entire is very, very shot at this point, folks. So if I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. But
1: You are absolutely correct. I feel like a broken record, though, when it comes to that type of stuff. Like it where we start the first half of a season one way, and then something breaks in them, and they completely do the opposite. I don't know why. Because at first, it was literally the conversation of games at home were awful, and they were having to try and figure out what the vibe at home was. And, you know, remember Talk it was talking about... Um, so basically, along the lines that they have this type of like underdog mentality when they're on the road, you know, and they're they're trying to like claw their way um, into games on the road, but when they're at home, they were too like lackadaisic about everything, and that they were almost too relaxed about it, and so they weren't producing the same at home, and then and then they flipped, and it's it's so funny because. I always talk about inconsistency with this team, but they are so consistently inconsistent that it's the only constant we know.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the theme of this week's podcast because that goes back to what we were talking about in regards to this roster post derek Stepan trade is it's a team that's got to find a way to be more consistent offensively because they have so many players that we know can play well when they're good. We know Clayton Keller can – put him a point per game when he's rolling, when he's on fire. Same thing with uh, Nick Schmaltz, who got off to a really hot start last season. This just went quiet for so long before um, obviously getting hurt against Vegas in the playoffs there. So, yeah, we ooh, that, this is the longest hockey conversation we've had on this podcast since the Coyotes wrapped up their playoff run against Colorado.
1: Doesn't it feel cathartic? It feels very nice to actually talk about hockey again.
0: Yeah. Because, like, for the last several months, we only – like, there was an episode a couple weeks ago where we only spent, like, three minutes talking about hockey. It was like, well, we ain't got shit to talk about, but now it's getting ramped up, baby. We are, what, almost two weeks away from the start of the regular season in the National Hockey League and the Arizona Coyotes. Very exciting time. But, uh, Corey, I believe now it is time to – begin our segment that we wrap up every show with called random shit i have some good stuff this week including a quiz including a quiz
1: i have heard that there is a quiz i have not looked at the quiz because i did not want to cheat i haven't either so okay that should be interesting
0: so i have a quiz coming up i also have Some, uh, also a couple ridiculous stories too. So should we start off with the, with the, with the quiz? Do you want to do the quiz first?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) So this is from the New York times. This is their 2020 quiz. There are 20 questions here and we'll take it together. I haven't seen any of these, so I do not know.
1: Wait, so there's 20 questions 20 questions I genuinely about,
0: 20 questions about 2020 play a lot oh, of the I definitely
1: too. I definitely read 200 when I like looked at it. I was like oh it said this. see this is how much I didn't pay attention to it because I didn't want to cheat I thought it said 200 I was about to be like there's no way we're getting through 200
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would take a entire podcast and that would be really boring but we're gonna try and get through these pretty quick okay question number one. Which female pop star dressed up as a man for a music video? Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, and Taylor Swift. Both of us know this answer.
1: Well, then, the thing is, if both of us know this answer, then everyone should know that it's Taylor Swift.
0: Yes, absolutely. That was a great music video for The Man. It was one of my favorite songs off, off that album. Okay, question number two. The Kardashian-Jenner family announced that their long-running TV show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, will end after how many seasons? 17,
1: 20, or 23? Too fucking long. I'm going to go with the
0: 23 because it's the longest. I think so, too. I'm going to go with 23. Incorrect. The correct answer is 20. 20? 20? Yeah. Well, I've only been on live for
1: 26 years, so no wonder why yeah. it's felt like an okay. entire lifetime. now this
0: one I know the answer to. I hope you know it, too. Which show broke the record for most Emmy- Emmys won by a comedy series in a single year, taking home nine awards? Fleabag, shit's oh. Creek, or Insecure?
1: You, I was going to say, you love the show, Schitt's Creek. Yep,
0: that's correct. Two or three so far. I like yes. it. Celebrities like Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, and Will Ferrell were slammed for a video of them singing what song at the start of the pandemic hallelujah by leonard cohen imagined by john lennon or stand by me by ben e king i know this answer i remember it imagine it was imagine that's correct who all right number five who is the most followed person on tiktok with more than 100 million followers on the platform zach king addison ray or charlie Diamelio? charlie d'amelio i think because i thought i remembered her name started with a c that's i think that's what i'm gonna go with too that's correct we're actually kicking ass on this so far number number six nick cordero the broadway actor who passed away from covid 19 was nominated for a tony award for what show a bronx tale bullets over broadway or waitress i don't know this answer I don't know either. What, what were the choices again? Bronx Tale, Bullets Over Broadway, or Waitress? I don't know. Waitress. Waitress. I'm going to go with that one too. That is incorrect. The correct answer, Bullets Over Broadway. So what are we Dang, doing? I Dang,
1: go- that was going to
0: be my backup one just because it sounded cool. What was not depicted in the buzzy Netflix series Tiger King? Suicide, prostitution, a murder for hire plot. uh
1: prostitution Um, because his his boyfriend committed suicide and carol baskin um we're pretty sure killed her husband Mm -hmm. and and um he tried to the reason why he's in jail is because he tried to hire someone to kill carol baskin damn see there you go i just summed the entire thing up
0: for you guys there you go god that came out in like march for goodness sake my gosh all right question number eight it's been forever Miley Cyrus went viral for covering which song? Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Cyrus, Heart of Glass by Blondie, or Dreams by Fleetwood Mac? It's
1: probably her dad's song.
0: Um, I don't think so. I, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, that I'm I'm sure like it's probably what was the second one part of glass by blondie, which was my my answer I was gonna go with her. that was that would probably
1: be the correct one. I'm uh, I'm thinking yeah her, her version of Jolene by her uh, godmother uh, Dolly Parton uh-huh. her version of Jolene was yes. the best thing that she's done.
0: Miley's new album is great by the way, too I I thoroughly enjoy working out to that to her album. Okay, and you're, and we were correct It was indeed the blondie song. Okay Which food meme took over social media, everything is made of cake, ketchup-filled croissants, or inappropriate pancakes? Inappropriate pancakes. Maybe? Uh, I'm going to go with everything is made of cake.
1: Oh, everything is made of cake. You are correct. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's everything made of cake. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I missed that answer. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure, because I watched so many of those. Because you don't think that they're made of cake and then someone starts cutting into Mm -hmm. it and you're like, motherfucker, that was cake the entire time. Sorry. See, now I'm all hyped because I did. I actually did join in on that, like, by watching all of those. Those were phenomenal. We're doing pretty well,
0: I think, through the first nine questions. Captain America actor Chris Evans shocked Twitter when he accidentally shared what? His phone number, his social security (laughs) number, a photo of his penis in silhouette? Absolutely. We saw America's dick.
1: (laughs) We saw America's Dick. Uh, you didn't even need to give me multiple choice oh, on that one. Oh, here
0: we go. Here we go. I wish I could phone a friend for this, but okay. Here we go. In their hit song, what phrase do Cardi B and Megan The Stallion not use in reference to a wap?
1: Oh my gosh, where is Cat when we need yeah, her? Okay. I know.
0: Yeah. The number one spot: macaroni in a pot. Grab a bucket and a mop.
1: Okay, so the number one spot because. Uh, I think so
0: too. That's what I would go with.
1: Because the the macaroni in a pot, I that one I remember, and then um, grab a bucket and a mop. Is that what the other mm-hmm. one? Yeah, those two absolutely run the song. So what's the
0: first one? I agree. Oh, correct. Oh, we're crushing this. We are crushing this. All right, question number twelve. Which celebrity tweeted that stories of TV host Ellen DeGeneres mistreating her employees were common knowledge? Katy Perry, Kevin Hart, or Brad Garrett? I have no fucking clue.
1: <laughs> no fucking clue. Who's ballsy enough to do that? I feel like uh, Kevin Hart gives no fucks right now, but I just don't feel like that was him. Um, I don't, Who was the third person? I don't even think I know the third person.
0: Yeah, Brad Garrett was on um, the Ray Romano show. Oh yeah, I don't know. You're he's not relevant enough. You're right. I'm. I would say Katy Perry. That was my guess too. Was Katy Perry incorrect? The correct answer is Brad Garrett.
1: Yeah, so I was wondering if he was so irrelevant that he didn't give fucks about like
0: saying that. What that was, that was did me. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith discuss on her online chat show, Red Table Talk? Jada's affair, Will's affair, or Will's feud with Fresh Prince of Bel Air actress Janet Hubert?
1: Jada's affair. If you don't know that, I swear to God, people, it's Jada's affair. Okay,
0: I did not know that. I knew that there was some like infidelity going on there, but I wasn't 100% sure, so I'm going to trust well, you. Jada's affair like... is correct.
1: Yeah, so that's why it was also, like, I didn't really approve of everyone sending around the meme of him, like, crying on it. Like, that was, like, a very personal thing. But they were kind of, like, split up. And and so, like, the whole thing of calling it an affair, I feel like, is a little bit of a reach. Because they were kind of split up, and then she, like, got into, like, a relationship with this guy. And then once, like, her and Will were ready to get back together, she just kind of threw this guy to the side. So if there's anyone that uh, got fucked in the situation, it was the guy in the middle.
0: Question number fourteen: Adele made headlines for her slimmed down figure, which she credited to which diet: keto, cert food, or intermittent fasting? Oh, it's
1: got to be intermittent fasting. I feel like that's the new craze.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on that one. Incorrect. The correct answer is cert food.
1: Huh, that's, I don't know. Because keto was the old, was the old, like, everyone did keto for a while. Now everyone's doing intermittent fasting. I've never even heard of that one.
0: Yeah, neither have I. That means it's really new. Okay, number 15. Why did The Weeknd wear bandages on his face at several public appearances? He got a nose job. It's part of a costume. He got in a car accident.
1: Part of a costume. It was part of his um, music videos.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for his album, yeah. That's correct. Even I knew that. Um, who was the first late night host to do their show from home filming from their bathtub during the pandemic? Jimmy Fallon, Conan O'Brien, or Stephen Colbert? They misspelled Conan O'Brien's name on here. so <laughs> He deserves it. I'm, I'm assuming, For as many
1: times we couldn't get into his fucking show during I'm Comic-Con. assuming Conan
0: is not the correct answer if they spelled it wrong. I think it's Jimmy Fallon.
1: I'm thinking it's Jimmy Fallon too. That was my first thought when when you Oh, started it was Stephen Colbert. Ah, oh, damn. But see, that's the thing is when I heard the bathtub thing, that didn't sound like Fallon.
0: Yeah, and it didn't really sound like Colbert to me. But now that I now that I know the answer, yeah, I think I think that's right. I think I do remember Colbert doing something from the from his from his bathtub. Okay, number seventeen. Getting to the end here, starting to fail here on the back end of the quiz, but we'll make it up here and still get a passing grade a british government official tried to get netflix to do what with the crown have it labeled a work of fiction have the series removed have fact-check bubbles pop up throughout the episodes
1: fact-check bubbles
0: maybe what, what were the what were
1: they again labeled
0: a work of fiction have the series removed fact-check bubbles pop up throughout the episodes
1: i i i'm still sticking with fact-check bubbles i'm
0: going to i think it's have the series removed so I feel like that's the thing you do. If you disagree with a show, you just say, hey, get rid of that show. Yeah, that's true. So what do you, what do you you want to go with that one or the fact check? I,
1: I, hey, I i say go with you. you I feel like you get
0: the, the movie stuff or the show stuff better than I do. The correct answer is have it labeled a work of fiction. So we both got it wrong. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. So we were arguing about two incorrect answers. Okay, I know
0: the answer to number 18. I hope you do too. The Queen's Gambit actor, Thomas Brody Sangster, also appeared in which of these movies as a child? Elf, The Holiday, or Love Actually? Okay, wait. So so someone
1: from Queen's Gambit, Uh which, okay, I watched that. I follow that part. Was in
0: what? Which character was it? He, elf the holiday or love actually thomas brody sangster
1: who the fuck is that
0: Who's ca- what character was he 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 played benny oh benny he had the mustache was really skinny shit i, mean, I remember who benny was um she's the
1: last one that he's that or he's the last one she slept with um fuck i don't know you know the answer. You yeah, said it right. He was
0: in love actually. <laughs> I don't think I watched that movie. It's to be honest with you. What? I don't think I've ever seen Love actually. It's a. I I watched it for the first time last year. Actually pretty good. I actually liked it. All right, number nineteen. What is Christopher Nolan's direct or Christopher Nolan's film Tenet about? An Illuminati like secret society, former CIA director Georgia Tenet, or time traveling weapons. <laughs> time traveling weapons is is oh and this is the perfect question to end on number 20. pete davidson starred in a semi-autobiographical movie about his life called
1: the kings of staten island because the because i
0: watched it last Uh night okay we got 14 out of 20 correct
1: we got 14 out of 20, correct? Okay. What is that? Someone needs to... We need to do a... Um, call uh... uh,
0: I think that's just shy of
1: 80%. Okay, so we got a B. That's not too bad.
0: Let's see. Hang on. Hang on a second. I'm really bad with, like, mental math here. Divided by 20. Oh, no, that's
1: a C. We got 70%. Damn, that was not good. Yeah, we sucked. <laughs> we sucked on that one.
0: <laughs> well, how did you do at home, spray Nation? Let us know if you were playing along with us there. Okay, I got one more one more random shit story for you this week, Corey. Um, it's kind of a long one, but I'll try and boil it down to what you need to know. So, a man decided to get his girlfriend a 23andMe kit for Christmas, Okay. They sent the kit in early because it was like an agreed-to thing that he was going to get this kit for Christmas. And then they would get the results back in time for Christmas. It was an early Christmas present. Well, she gets the results back and apparently finds out through... First of all, we find this out through a Reddit post where the man titled it saying, I think I fucked up by getting my girlfriend a DNA test for Christmas. Well, in Through the 23 and Me results, she finds out that she has a half-sister under the list of her family members <laughs> that she previously did not know about. So she calls up her mom, and originally the mom says, of course not, why would you have a ha- half-sister? Then the girl then asked her mom again, do you know a John Smith? The phone became silent. We then find out that, yes, she does indeed have a half-sister. And it was because the woman's parents split up for a time many, many years ago. And in that time when they had taken a break for a weekend, the mother hooked up with her ex-boyfriend, John, then got back with a girlfriend's dad later on. And there, of course, was a child born from from the ex-boyfriend, John. And this poor girl is just finding out about this now because she took a 23andMe test.
1: But wait, so that is, like, harder to hide, though. Like... Had, clearly her dad had to know too because obviously the mom had gotten pregnant unless she thought her sister was her full sister the whole time but she, no she didn't know this girl even existed they didn't
0: even know she existed
1: but the thing is like the mom would have had gone through a whole pregnancy yeah. and if they had gotten
0: there was, there was a, clearly a cover up going on here
1: but like how did the dad had to have known there's no way that the dad her like her dad didn't know because of the fact that um because you know they are the night unless they got back together after that 9 months
0: yeah she kept it secret for 30 years and apparently the Holy father shit. did too
1: <laughs> no way that's insane mm-hmm. well and also too that's a really strange thing to like throw out there so if someone was to say like hey do i have a half sister wouldn't you be like oh shit like that's very specific thing to ask like she probably knows like why lie again right i'd be like ah no like i have dna that says otherwise
0: like i would have just told the truth in that situation
1: damn you trying to cover that up your whole life why even cover that up
0: it doesn't say here in the in the story but now we know so this is the reason why I don't want to get a 23 me test because I'm scared that the government is going to get a hold of my DNA and clone me because I don't know what happens to this DNA after I send it off. It goes into a database somewhere.
1: Yeah and then you can request for them to throw away your sample.
0: Yeah and I don't I, I don't and I don't like that so I have refused to take a 23 me test so far and maybe at some point I will. But who knows? Maybe I have a half-sister out out there somewhere too that I don't want to find out about. So um,
1: Richie, I have not found out that I have any relatives that I do not know about and my I mean, I mean, there will be relatives that I don't know, um, considering the fact that my grandfather is my adoptive grandfather. Um, so obviously there's like relatives that I don't know because the biological grandfather I never met, um, I I think he was alive at some point when I was alive. I'm not sure. Don't really care. But, um, so obviously there's, there's those that are, are related to me in that way, but it's kind of more distant that way. They're like second cousins and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I... I didn't find anything, like, crazy interesting. I mean, I do know of a guy who did 23andMe, but he was, um, and he, he he explained it as there was a very sexually active period in his life. And um, he then found out he had a daughter that he never knew about. And now he, he got to be reunited with his daughter and things are great and, and he loves it. So there is some good that comes out of it in that sense. But I don't know, like, that many people where it's gone. Well, Now I do know of one person, though, who did find out about that they think that their dad isn't their dad after it, but both their parents are dead. So they just didn't even, like, try and look into it anymore. But off of what they got in their 23 me, they're pretty sure that it was the dad's best friend. So that one, that one's a little rough, but the other one was, was a happy ending.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, that is going to wrap up random shit for this week. Spory nation. Hope you did better than us on the 2020 quiz cri- quiz. And, uh, we hope you don't find out about any random siblings you didn't know about previously through your 23 me account. This is our last episode of 2020, Sporty Nation. We'll be back with you again in 2021 next Monday. No Thursday show this week because of the new year, of course. Any last words for 2020?
1: Let 2021 be much better than 2020.
0: I agree. Good night and good hockey, everybody.